Alright, welcome in, Outsiders. It was a fun, exciting weekend of NFL activity with the NFL Draft out in Kansas City. We're recording this here Tuesday night. We're now in the month of May. It's the second. You could be listening to this as early as May 3rd, 2023, as the offseason is quickly approaching that downtime period. So we'll have a couple more episodes over the next couple weeks before we go on a mini hiatus, a little vacation before ramping back up for training camp. That'll be here before we know it. But as I said, it was an exciting stretch of days. And it was a, it's a great time to be a Colts fan, man. Anthony Richardson is a cult, and you could hear the smile on my face, man. I haven't been this excited for Colts football since the very beginning of August 2019, before that unfortunate thing happened where Andrew Luck went and retired on us. But the Giants had a great draft as well. The Eagles had a great draft. They had some great moves. And general manager Howie Roseman even has other GMs around the NFL annoyed by the amount of praise he's receiving. So Dylan, go ahead, sound off on that for us. Yeah. I mean, Howie Roseman deserves all the praise that he's getting, but I kind of do understand where maybe some other GMs are coming from, especially Brett Veach of the chiefs. He's as well been phenomenal and doesn't get the same love that Howie Roseman gets for a long time. I thought it was just because I was on Eagles Twitter but when I started seeing the reports coming out from Schrager that other GMs are upset about it, I realized, oh, it's not just Eagles Twitter. It's NFL Twitter as a whole. And while I think Howie Roseman is great, you know, there's been some bumps in the road. He did draft Jalen Ragor, But since then, he's been an absolute A-plus GM. He deserves the praise for this weekend. I think he stole the weekend away, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to say to the most of the other GMs, I think there is like maybe around 10 or so like really good GMs. I think, uh, was it Omar Khan in Pittsburgh? He had a great first draft as general manager taking over that job for uh, Colbert last year. Um, but my message for everyone else, get good, you know, and maybe you'll get praised too. Because I that's the reality of the age we live in is the internet culture and memes and some things just catch fire and get spread around and everyone buys in, whether they even believe it or not. I mean, look at Morbius, you know, we want to get uh, pop culture references in here, but let's go into the actual draft picks here. I mean, we're going to start, we're going to go through uh, a pick that we all liked across the first two nights of the draft. Then we'll take a look at picks we didn't necessarily like. And then if you guys remember listeners out there, we had outsiders of the week throughout the playoffs. We're going to have a similar style there, an outsider pick day three. That's where you find the diamonds in the rough. So we'll take a look there and then we'll wrap up by talking about what team we think really walked away from this weekend, winning it all, at least for off season purposes. So I'll start here. I said a minute ago, the Steelers had a great draft. That started night one. I've been saying the last couple of years here, guys, the Steelers need to address this offensive line. In 2021, I said, please, take a lineman. Don't take the running back yet. They didn't. They took Najee Harris, who's worked out pretty well for him. Last year, I said, please, get Najee Harris a lineman to help the run game. They didn't. They took Kenny Pickett, the quarterback. Looked fine, all right? Uh, I'll take a seat on those two. But finally, they listened. They took one of Ben's guys, the Georgia guys. They traded up for him, which means you know the Steelers like him. They don't just move up for anyone. They're a team that usually likes to just stick to their guns, make the picks where they have it. But Broderick Jones is coming to the Steel City, and he's really going to help unlock this offense. I think having an offensive line just really facilitates 
the ball moving everywhere, the run game, the pass game, everything opens up when you have a strong front five in front of you, especially for a young quarterback like Kenny Pickett, who will look to take a bigger jump here in year two. And Pickens as well, have more time to get him the ball, new addition, Allen Robinson as well. But yeah, Broderick Jones, that's my pick. I really like, obviously, the Anthony Richardson, that's too low-hanging fruit for me. I really, I've been wanting to see Pittsburgh invest in this offensive line for years. They finally did it this year. Ben, what pick did you like from these opening couple rounds here? The team I want to focus on in the pick is the Denver Broncos. And it's because this team has had a lot of just conversations swirling around them in terms of what is the direction they're trying to trade some wide receivers. Apparently, they're all on the market. Well, then they went out and drafted Marvin Mims in the second round, which I think is a great value for getting him with the final pick in the second round. The wide receiver out of Oklahoma is a talented kid. He's gone out there and made plays. Love watching him play in college. I know the NFL game is different, but I think that he's someone who truly can go and make an impact. I think that he's someone who fits well with Russell Wilson. And hopefully for Denver, behind all the money they threw at the offensive line, it's a move that is able to help pay off and pay off right away. Yeah, this wasn't necessarily a strong wide receiver class, but I think some pretty good ones went to really interesting landing spots over these first couple of nights. Dylan, you also liked one of these big receiver additions. My pick for the best pick of the first and second round of the draft, the beginning stages, while I couldn't take the easy cop out, like you mentioned, to go with my home team and go with either Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith, I'm actually going to go with a different route, and I'm going to show some love to the Minnesota Vikings, who drafted Jordan Addison. They drafted Jordan Addison right at the end of that four wide receiver run where all four of the top four prospects went in a row. But in my opinion, they got the second best wide receiver in this class. I think he fits their system perfectly with Adam Thielen departing. I think he can slot right into that wide receiver two role. I think he's a better player than KJ Osborne right off the jump. And this guy's got a Tyler Lockett ability to him. I love this addition to the team, Justin Jefferson is going to take a lot of the attention. This kid should be able to eat early and often. And if they can develop him anywhere close to where they develop Justin Jefferson in a short amount of time, Minnesota is going to be scary. Yeah, I actually want to ask Corey a question here because in our mock draft, I had Minnesota taking a wide receiver and he didn't like the pick because he talked about how that wasn't the issue for the Vikings. So Well, Dylan, I know you love the value and you love Addison. Corey's like, I'm interested to hear how you feel about Minnesota and them taking a wide receiver still, even though it's someone that we did value higher. So, I mean, it's kind of a couple angles and I'm going to attack this. As a Giant fan, I'm annoyed because we needed wide receiver help and they took Addison right out from under us during that four wide receiver run. So that's annoying there, but as an unbiased football watcher, I also think that it's a pick that almost sets Minnesota back because we've seen how you can have the most epic point scoring offense. And if your defense isn't going to be able to stop anybody, you're not going to win. We saw last year, the Vikings had a very good offense, but they choked into the playoffs to a mediocre giants offense an offense that has scored 30 points or more just once prior to that in, you know, three or four years. 
the Vikings defense needed work. There were players available, whether it was Deontay Banks, who ended up going to the Giants, Joey Porter Jr., Nolan Smith. Any number of these defensive guys would have been a better pick for their future. Jordan Addison will sell jerseys. He'll put butts in seats, but he won't make them better. And I don't think they improved enough to even beat out the Lions to win the division next year as it stands right now. Yeah, Corey, I agree with you and disagree with you on certain things. I do think the Lions win that division next year, but I think that the Lions were set up to do that anyways with their offseason moves, no matter really who the Vikings had drafted here. However, I do think setting your wide receiver core of Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison for the next decade could pan out to be worth it. And who knows, maybe their you know, front office the defensive players that they liked were gone. They went ahead the third and the fourth round, and they attacked the secondary, dropping a corner out of USC and a safety out of LSU. So it's not like they completely folded on it, but if guys that they didn't like were there, and if they scouted Addison as the same way that I did, as the second-best wide receiver in the class with Adam Thielen departing, it is a position of need, wide receiver for them. KJ Osborne, to me, is not that wide receiver, too, and clearly it's not to them as well. I get that maybe in the short term, under Kirk Cousins' current window of operation, maybe it doesn't give them that leap that they need. But let's be honest, does anybody on this show think that Kirk Cousins is going to win a Super Bowl? Probably not. So these two wide receivers are going to outlive his tenure and perhaps set up a great foundation for their next quarterback, whomever that may be. Yeah, wide receiver has quickly become one of the more important positions to lock down, not just one of them, but a few of them in today's NFL. But at the end of the day, the quarterback position is still the most important. Corey, you liked one of these quarterback picks. Why you got to say it like that? Like you're a little. You know, uh, you know why I got to say it like that. He can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> Literally. Well, I guess in a different way he can. I still got to look at him will- twice a year. Will Levis got drafted by the Tennessee Titans, the team Ryan loves to hate. And, you know, I was hating on Will Levis throughout this whole process. I still don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but I like the sentiment. And honestly, if Tennessee can develop him after taking Peter Skronsky in the first round, it might be a serviceable Kirk Cousins type quarterback. And honestly, that's what a team really needs right now to win. You don't need to have an otherworldly quarterback. It would be nice, but get if Will Levis could be Kirk Cousins, the Titans could be a perennial playoff team if they can develop him. That's the key. They gave up on Malik Willis. Ryan Tannehill's washed. Giving up on Willis after a year, you know, that takes uh, cojones. You know what I mean? It takes a certain type of GM and a certain type of front office to move off of a player after one year. Now, I know Willis wasn't a first-round pick, but he was somebody that play, people had, you know, rated pretty high and somebody who could have went in the first round. So taking Will Levis with their first pick in the second round, pick uh, 33 overall, I, I think that's a very interesting move because you're not you're getting somebody who was a first-round talent in the second round and somebody that if you believe in your coaching staff, they can get a, a decent quarterback with some decent weapons behind a newly revamped offensive line. So I'm interested to see, and I like the value here mostly. That's why I think it might be the best pick in the draft is because they're getting somebody who they can develop, somebody who's a first-round talent, supposedly. They got him in the second round, and they didn't have to spend that capital on him. Yeah, Corey, 
you know, this is going to be a show where I think we disagree a little bit. I think this pick on paper is one thing, but I think when you just think about it in reality, I'm just puzzled and confused here. Ryan Tannehill was a quarterback last year who clearly didn't want to help Malik Willis develop. So he's got a little bit of an ego problem. Malik Willis now has a chip on his shoulder because Ryan Tannehill wouldn't help him develop. He had some minutes last year, obviously, that didn't pan out great. And now his team has drafted yet another quarterback. And the whole reason that Will Levis fell in this draft from what we were hearing from GMs is that he's too cocky. So now you've got three egos in one room we don't know who the quarterback of the future is because on the depth chart levis is listed as the three and obviously i get it the depth chart in may 2nd isn't a huge ordeal but who are these guys getting the ball to no matter who starts Traylon burks i mean listen i hope the kid pans out but i don't see him as anything better than a low-end wide receiver two for a really good team derrick henry's aging I don't think quarterback was the issue that this team needed to address. Yes, Will Levis's talent in the second round was tempting, but I don't love this for them franchise, and I'm sure Ryan loves to hear me crap on the Titans. Front row for the downfall of the Titans, but I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. At least they didn't make the mistake of taking him in the first round. They waited. They stuck assumedly to their board, took the offensive line prospect, uh, Skaronsky, with the versatility to play across a couple different spots on the line there. And they came back and said, all right, Levis in the second. That's a little less commitment. You know, you mentioned Malik Willis was a third-round pick, and they're already moving on from him. At least, you know, you think Josh Rosen went – they traded up for Josh Rosen. The Cardinals did a number of years ago and gave up on him a year later. So at least this – might sting a little bit less when the Titans inevitably give up, I assume, on Will Levis in the future. But I sat here for weeks saying Will Levis is going to be a bad pick, so let's get into the bad picks now, all right? I'm going to cheat a little bit right off the bat because there are a couple picks here that I didn't like, and they all have one thing in common. And, Corey, this is going to be music I know to your ears. This is the drum you've been beating on for a while now, investing in the running back position early. I want to say, this is a disclaimer, I like all three of these running backs. I think they're all very talented, and especially for fantasy purposes, I love two of these guys. Now, I'll start with the one that I kind of changed my mind on a little bit, Jameer Gibbs to Detroit at 12. When this pick was announced, I was dumbfounded. Uh, But then a couple days later, they trade DeAndre Swift. All right, it makes a little more sense. Jamison Williams has suspended a couple games. Gibbs very good in the passing game. Dan Campbell, too, was down in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara. Gibbs, that was his big pro comp throughout this entire process was Alvin Kamara. So the pick makes sense. Just him going at 12 was a little surprising. And at first it was a crowded backfield that got a little thinner. I want to speak on the Jameer Gibbs pick because I know we talked about running backs going early, not necessarily being something great here, but Detroit had pick six. They traded back to 12 and they still got their guy. Detroit people in the Detroit front office said they were willing to take Gibbs at six. Let's remember why Detroit had pick six. They got that pick from the Rams and the Jared Goff deal. So when you're Detroit, you're in a situation where we all just kind of said that they were our favorites to win the division. So what did they do this draft? They drafted four guys that can start day one and be productive day one. And Jameer Gibbs is one of those guys. Do I like DeAndre Swift? Absolutely. Am I happy as a Philadelphia Eagle? Absolutely. But if this front office who didn't draft him didn't have confidence in him, which we saw last year, Justin Jackson was out snapping him near the end of the season. 
They went out there, and as you mentioned, Dan Campbell gets his Alvin Kamara in Jameer Gibbs. This team is loaded in a wide-open NFC with not a lot of quarterback competition for Jalen Hurts. Jared Goff needs all the weapons he can get. And with Jameis Williams hurt, or not hurt, but suspended, it hurts the team, and they got to win those games early. Jameer Gibbs in the passing game is excellent, and I don't hate the pick. Yes, it was early on a running back, but you got to think about their situation. They found their guy. They wanted him. They took him. I respect it. You know what else would have been a really good pick with Jamison Williams suspended? One of the number of wide receivers still on the board that actually plays a premium position that can last past three or four years in the league. Now, I I come from experience when I talk about taking a running back early, and I do love Saquon, but you can't invest in a first-round pick in a top 25 pick, let's say, in a running back. It just doesn't make sense with the talent that's on the board that has a that can still have a long-standing impact on a franchise, one that lasts a decade, 15 years if you're lucky, if you get a Hall of Famer. So taking Jameer Gibbs where they did, the Lions, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. You want to get better, then pick a position that you can't find, you know, starting caliber players, you know, later in rounds. Get an edge. Work on that defense. Pick a receiver. You had your pick of the lot. Imagine Jackson Smith and Jigba on that team, opposite of uh, you know Amon Ross St. Brown. Add him in with Jamison Williams when he's back. It just makes so much more sense and makes them such a better team if they just don't go running back. Go O-line. There were O-linemen left. Go anywhere other than running back, it just, it baffles me. And the same goes for the Falcons, taking Bijan Robinson at eight. Just where is your mind at? These aren't players that are going to put you over the top. You're not teams that are ready to go over the top. The Lions still need a quarterback. Goff is serviceable, but Goff isn't going to get you into the Super Bowl, or I don't even think Goff gets you out of the, the wild card round, to be honest. He'll get you there but I don't think he gets you out of that round. So it it just, we've seen teams start to learn this, but it's like two steps forward, three steps back with how teams are handling the running back position. Two running backs inside the top 15 just isn't how the position needs to be drafted. Rant over, it's just frustrating. I think the important thing to look at with Detroit is – Detroit took the guy they wanted to take, and I respect the hell out of that. I really do. And I respect the hell out of the fact that Detroit doesn't care that everybody else doesn't like this pick. They took the guy they wanted, and you know what? I think there's something to be said about a team that knows what they want and knows what they feel like they need right now. So, hey, I will let it ride with uh, Dan Campbell and the Lions. He has my trust. He has my faith. Until Dan Campbell goes out there and has a disappointing season, and by disappointing season, I mean there's regression, that's when you can start to question it. But right now, I'm trusting the process over there in Detroit. And you know what, Corey? I know you mentioned Jared Goff's ceiling, but we've seen Jared Goff make it to a Super Bowl before. And it's a very similar system to what they've put in place in Detroit. Got a couple of good wide receivers, but Todd Gurley was a huge part of that offense. And Jameer Gibbs's comp isn't Todd Gurley specifically, no. 
but you got the pass catching ability of Alvin Kamara and Gibbs and he can make people miss and has burners. And then they also brought in David Montgomery to play that Mark Ingram esque role. I really think that this Detroit team, if things luck out their way, could certainly end up in an NFC championship game. And once you're there, who's to say what happens? There's a lot of questions in San Francisco about quarterback. Can the Cowboys get off their playoff situations where they just collapse? Are the Giants going to be good with Daniel Jones? Can you be more confident in him than Jared Goff at this point? I know the Giants fans want to say so, but Jared Goff had an excellent year last year, and regression is likely coming for the Eagles. They'll have a much harder schedule. The defense is younger. It's going to be a learning curve. Detroit could certainly make a run this year. I think they win the division, and I certainly think they win at least one playoff game. The Gibbs pick is definitely one I've come around on, especially since Swift got traded. But, Corey, to circle back, you mentioned Bijan. A lot of the same sentiment there. I mean, every mock draft, I had Atlanta going Miles Murphy, Nolan Smith, someone on the edge. Then draft time comes around, and Jalen Carter in your backyard is sitting there somehow at eight. So as a fantasy football maniac, I love the Bijan pick. That's someone I'm going to be targeting, not Kyle Pitts. Bijan will be my Falcons pick this year because you think of that system from Tennessee. But from a team-building standpoint, yeah, this just doesn't make sense. When you go Kyle Pitts and he hasn't exploded like you thought he would, Drake London looked fine as a rookie, not as good as some of the other rookie receivers from a year ago. So they try another one with Bajon Robinson, but another one, and this is really leaning into the fantasy aspect more than anything. Seattle going Zach Charbonnet in round two when you already have Ken Walker there. And I mean, this lumps in with Bajon as well. Atlanta already had Tyler Algier, who set franchise records for rushing yards and a multitude of other things. So running back, it, it just doesn't make sense like Corey and, and these guys always say to invest heavily early on. But Ben, a position you should be investing early on, like I said with Project Drones, is the offensive line. But there's one offensive line pick you weren't a fan of on night one. It's darn all right. Uh, over with the Chicago Bears. Now, I understand Chicago is going to be excited about bringing Wright in. He's a guy who had a good season last year with Tennessee. But let's be honest, there's just not as much consistency in the tape over the last couple of years. And by con- it's not like Darnell Wright was flat out better than these other guys. He wasn't. And, you know, he Darnell Wright was taken before Broderick Jones and Peter Skaronsky. And those are just, those are two tackles that a lot of people believe will be significantly better than Darnell Wright. And that's just the bottom line, flat out truth. I understand, you know, the bears are like, look, we needed to protect Justin Fields. He's a, you know, they talk about how great a run blocker Darnell Wright is protecting Justin Fields is bringing in someone who can not only, you know, pass protect for a while, but you have to realize when you have a mobile quarterback behind you, it makes protecting him that much harder because you don't know where he's going to be. You have to try and guess which way you're not supposed to let the offensive lineman go. When you don't know where your quarterback is, it makes it that much harder to pass protect as well. So you went you took a reach and grabbed someone that a lot of people didn't necessarily believe was the best tackle. And now you're going to throw him in a very difficult position right off the bat. Cause you know, he will be starting week one. Yeah, Ben, I agree with your pick. I agreed with your pick day of, and 
you know, funny story for the listeners. Uh, I'm a pretty active guy on Twitter, especially during the NFL draft. And, you know, a particular Chicago Bears fan really disagreed with me. We went head to head and it was just really funny. And I want to just kind of remind the audience of something, because one of the points that this guy brought up in his argument with me was, I said that I didn't think that Darnell was going to be a great run blocker in the NFL, especially right off the rip, and that he was going to be susceptible to penalties on finesse moves. And this guy said, well, he didn't miss a single block at Tennessee in the run game and yada, yada, which I haven't fact checked that. I don't know if it's true, but even if it is, let's remember that college is a little different than the NFL. If you could base the stats off of college, just like that guy was with Darnell then Bryce Young's about to come in and win MVP. Jackson Smith, the Jigba's about to come in and be a better wide receiver than Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams. And Bijan Robinson is about to be the best running back in the NFL. It's not how it works. So, you know, trust the experts and trust a lot of people's opinion on, you know, these are professional scouts. Most people did not have Darnell above Skaronsky, above Broderick Jones. There's a reason for that. If the Bears were picking in the late teens, early 20s, I don't think anybody would really have an issue with the Darnell Wright pick. But personally, I think this was a panic pick. They're sitting there at nine, and Paris Johnson Jr. goes off the board to Arizona, right? And I think that was the guy they wanted. That was the sole player they wanted to get. So when he was gone to Arizona off the trade back, panic broke loose. And I think they just took the next highest rated offensive lineman on their board because they thought we need an offensive lineman. That's where we need to go. Whether that's right or wrong remains to be seen. Maybe Darnell Wright turns into one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Who knows? But I think ultimately the Bears taking him was a panic pick and their front office just missed a mark completely. Yeah, definitely a pick that seemed like just a little bit of a reach, but hopefully that works out for him. This is definitely a direction I thought Chicago should go trying to beef up that offensive line for not only Justin Fields, but uh, whoever's running the ball for them other than their quarterback. But Dylan, speaking of quarterbacks, one you weren't a fan of up at the top of the draft? I picked C.J. Stroud for the pick that I didn't like here for Houston. And, you know, it's not that it was – my least favorite pick, but it was something that I thought should be brought light to an earlier pick in the draft. And, you know, let's take a look at the draft outside of the vacuum. Houston really wanted Will Anderson so bad. They probably should have just drafted him at two and kept their 12th pick because what they gave up for that number three pick in the draft turned out to be the 12th pick, the 33rd pick, I believe. And their next year's 2024 first round pick, which they're projected to be, a bottom team in the NFL. It's realistic that the Cardinals next year have the first and second pick in the draft. That is on the board. Houston gave up a really, really great haul to get Will Anderson. And I think Will Anderson's a stud. He, in my opinion, was the best player in the draft. But I really think they should have drafted him at two. Now let's just take a look at the draft itself in a vacuum. You know, they made the trade, so be it. I personally think Anthony Richardson has a higher ceiling than C.J. Stroud. So if you wanted to go quarterback, Houston, in my opinion, should have went there. But I really think Houston's not ready for a quarterback. 
And with that being said, I think they should have gone Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, or they should have gone Will Anderson and Devin Witherspoon and really loaded up on the defensive end of the ball. I just don't see this team being ready, and I don't see C.J. Stroud being the answer. Yeah, we'll see if it works out for him. If Will Anderson is maybe defensive rookie of the year, you know, maybe he'll warrant the compensation given up. Remember, Houston still does at least have a first-round pick next year. They have that additional one from the Deshaun Watson trade to Cleveland. Uh, but Corey, what pick from these open – what pick from these opening rounds were you not a fan of here? Yeah, I was uh, sitting pretty with my mock draft in my mock draft league because those do exist where you you pre- try to predict the draft with a mock draft and whoever gets the most points wins the pot. I was sitting pretty. Packers are going to take a wide receiver at 13. They're going JSN, right? How do they – how poetic – Rodgers leaves and they finally draft a first-round wide receiver for him, right? No, wrong. They take Lucas Van Ness, Edge, and I, I just don't understand why they hate their quarterbacks. You need talent on the offense, especially with a young, unproven quarterback like J- Jordan Love. Get him weapons. You're sitting there perfect, primed, take the best receiver in the draft. Instead, you, I want to say reach a little bit and take an edge rusher who's never started a game in college. He's the first player ever drafted in the first round to have never started a college game. Think about that. Now, he's a first-round talent because the way that his defense at Iowa's ran is they go based on seniority and they use their, their bench and their depth a lot. But he's technically never started a game in college. So they took a guy who's never started over a wide receiver, and I just don't think it's a smart move. Their defense isn't great, but you need talent on the offense. Christian Watson can't do it all on his own, and I, I just think Jordan Love's going to flounder because of it. Yeah, hopefully Green Bay will – I said this last year, that they need to funnel this offense through their running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They have a pretty good offensive line, but Green Bay, it wasn't a first-round pick, but they again invested in pass catchers throughout the remainder of the draft, taking guys like uh, Jaden Reed, a couple of tight ends in between rounds two, three, and so on. But another nugget, like you mentioned, Lucas Van Ness never actually started a game uh, I was listening to the Peter King podcast earlier today, and he shared fun fact here. Lucas Van Ness apparently dating Cole Komet's sister. So that's just interesting when Green Bay and Chicago play twice a year, Van Ness probably lining up against Cole Komet. little drama there to add to the Great Bears and Packers rivalry. All right, moving into a couple lightning rounds here. Uh I mentioned earlier, bring kind of back the outsider of the week, the outsider pick here, a day three pick we all liked. I was really intrigued to see where Andrew Voorhees was going to go. And obviously during the combine, he had the ACL injury. He was a guy I think could have gone day two, either, you know, maybe late round two, somewhere in round three. Instead, we got to reach all the way down to round seven where the Baltimore Ravens took him. Now, he's not expected to play in 2023, but when we get to 2024, I think he is going to be a big presence for a long time on that Baltimore offensive line. And just like Jason Voorhees, Andrew Voorhees is just going to come back. I kind of like that pick that Dallas had, the running back Deuce Vaughn, picked in the sixth round, picked 212 overall, 
Zeke's gone. Dallas has issues at running back. Tony Pollard coming off that broken leg, just disaster that he suffered against San Francisco in the divisional round in the playoffs last year. And the story behind it, Deuce Vaughn getting picked by his father, who's a scout for the Cowboys. Vaughn's somebody who people expected to maybe even go late in the fourth, if not into the fifth. I think it's a good value pick. Running backs are easy to, easily found later in the draft. Cowboys have a very good offensive line. I think this pick's going to be a very good one, somebody who's going to get reps day one and possibly make some decent contributions down the stretch for them, especially as he gets acclimated to the NFL. Yeah, I'm going to go over to my Georgia guy. Another one that I like, another one I'm a big fan of, and it's Robert Beal Jr., the 49ers, able to grab him very late in this one. I believe a uh, seventh rounder or sixth rounder, if I'm not mistaken, by the 49ers. A just strong pick who's going to just provide more depth on the defense. I think he's someone who can go out there and maybe make a difference in some plays late in games, maybe come in and add to the depth, join the rotation halfway through the season, fill in when there are some injuries because there are always injuries but this is someone who definitely can go out there rush the passer he's able to attack blockers with a sturdy base he reads the plays very well and he's able to move side to side and seal and fight through those seal blocks really really well so look i'm going with another georgia guy and this one's a late pick another defensive player picked off this georgia bulldog defense over the last two years so many in the national football league and all of them have been really good. Really glad that you hyped up late round Georgia picks. I mean, you just walked me into mine and, you know, I'm going to kind of combine two topics here because I know Ryan was going to transition us into who had the best draft. I'm going to take the Eagles here for the late round pick of Keely Ringo. I think this is great for team chemistry. People were calling them the Georgia Eagles, the Philadelphia Bulldogs, whichever you prefer. But I also think this is a team that needed corner depth. And again, these guys all have experience playing together, training together in the offseason for training camp. This is a situation where these guys know how each other plays, and it's going to make them better early and often. The Eagles, they want to keep contending, but they know they have to get younger on defense. What's the best way to speed up the process? Get a bunch of guys that are already comfortable playing together, and that's why I love the Ringo pick. But more importantly, why I think the Eagles had the best overall draft. You know, they were one of those teams that was luckily in a position of being in the Super Bowl and having a top 10 pick. You go and get Jalen Carter at nine, you trade up one spot, you know, we'll see what happens with the off the field issues. But aside from that, this guy was labeled the best player in the draft by many. And the Eagles, a team that was just in the Super Bowl, are able to get him at nine. His comp is Fletcher Cox. He gets to play beside him this year learn we know that the eagles always do the defensive line fantastic and they pair him with another georgia bulldog in nolan smith you get ringo later and i'm including it in my draft for them saying that they had the best because they traded for georgia bulldog running back deandre swift this guy's an absolute playmaker a stud health is the only concern but the Eagles do a running back by committee. There won't be a lot asked of him. A fantastic offensive line. The Eagles absolutely killed this draft. There was concern from Eagles fans at the beginning of the offseason. Was there a falloff coming? Right now, to me, they clearly look like the best team in the NFC. 
post-draft. Yeah, Eagles had a great couple of days there. Like you said, all those moves, uh, adding a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs. But I got to say, Colts had a, a home run draft as well. Finally getting seems our franchise quarterback. But general manager Chris Ballard is a big traits guy. One trait that he puts over all the others is athleticism. And you look at this these dozen guys he drafted this year, the relative athletic score, RAS, it's a metric that takes into account size, explosiveness, speed, agility, and matching that up against, you know, other historic numbers and players and spitting out a score from zero to 10. Let me read off some of these numbers for you guys. Anthony Richardson on that scale, 10. Julius Brents, our corner in round two, 9.99. Uh, Josh Downs, wide receiver in round three, 8.99. A tackle in round four, 9.83. 9.72, 9.8, 9.94. There's a theme here. Athleticism, the kind of traits that you can't really teach at the NFL level. You could teach technique and form and some of and you know fine-tune uh, the football skills at this level. You can't really teach height, weight, speed, and all that. You can, you know, work on those in the weight room. Uh, and I know from experience as a sports performance coach for a number of years. Players can get faster, but when you're already naturally fast like that, that goes a long way in your game. So for me, the Colts had a great draft. 12 guys I think could be starters, role players, or make an immediate impact on special teams. The team that I, I really think had the best draft, and the way I'm looking at this is just a draft in the nutshell. I'm not including any of the extracurriculars that go along, including trades and all that. Just based off of who the, the players that were picked and how they affect the team going forward. And I'm going to go the Houston Texans. We probably all agree that Stroud wasn't the best or even the second best quarterback in the class. I, along with many of you, I'm sure, think that it's Anthony Richardson that has the highest ceiling and could end up probably being the best QB in this class. Music to Ryan's ears, I know. But Taking Stroud to solidify that quarterback position, Davis Mills wasn't going to do it for you. Plus, getting up and then taking Will Anderson, who I think is the best defensive player in the draft, that's a home run right there. Plus, getting your center of the future in Juice Scruggs. And I don't know if you guys saw this come out uh, between now and the draft, but wide receiver Tank Dell, who the Texans selected in the third round, him and C.J. Stroud became really close friends during the combine. And when Stroud was drafted, after talking to the GM with the Texans, he said, go and get me Tank Dell. I want Tank Dell on my team. And that's how they that's how they got him. And just having that rapport with the receiver already, kind of being friends, it's helping. it helps build up the locker room. And it also gives him a safety blanket, somebody he knows he could trust. There's just a lot of good picks. I think the Texans aren't ready to compete just yet under their new first-year head coach. This is a draft that'll build the foundation for success in years to come. It's been a long, dark road for the Texans, you know, including a lot of issues with their previous star quarterback, Deshaun Watson. But I think this is a fresh start, one that was sorely needed in Houston. And I think this is for the best. And I think they just had a really solid draft overall. One of the best, but the best, I, I hate to say, definitely does end up going to the Eagles. I hate that so much, but it's true when it's true. 
Yeah, the Eagles had the best draft, but just for not talking about the Eagles for 10 straight minutes, I am going to talk about the New York Giants because I actually think they had a really good draft as well. Now, they went and weren't able to get the wide receiver they wanted in the first round, as we were alluding to earlier, but they did go and get a very good, and I think someone who was a top 10, at the very least a top 15 talent in Deontay Banks. He's someone with cornerback one potential. He is going to slide right in and play opposite of Adoree Jackson. He gives them someone who can play the position right away and someone to be excited about. As a Giant fan, I am very excited about this. This is someone who put outstanding tape out there against Ohio State star Marvin Harrison Jr. last year. That's really what opened up eyes on Deontay Banks and people realizing how good he is. John Michael Smith, if the Giants had taken him with his first pick, I guarantee you Corey would still be praising it. It is someone that Giants fans have wanted. They knew that this is someone that they wanted and Right away, he's going to compete to start at center. But the pick who I like the most, the two of them, two other skills, Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee. I think he's someone who really can go out there and play. He is so fast with a 4-4-40 at the combine. He is someone who can go out there and make an impact on the field. I think this is someone the Giants have not seen since a guy like Odell Beckham when he came in and showed off his speed. The Giants have not had a speed threat like that since they had Odell Beckham in his early days. The Giants did end up trading their fourth round pick in order to slide up that one pick to get Banks. Shane said that that was because they were a little bit concerned, not necessarily of the Jaguars taking him, but of other teams trading up to take him. Eric Gray, the other pick I really like, the fifth rounder running back out of Oklahoma. He's smooth, he's shifty, and he's going to earn touches in the backfield as a rookie, I think. I think he's going to end up being the number two. I think that the Giants will end up letting him play, and he's someone who definitely can go out there and play. He's a dual-threat guy, really can play in the passing game, and that's where I think he'll have the biggest impact as a rookie for this New York Giants team. They took the cornerback, Trey Hawkins, out of Old dominion but jordan riley is maybe the most intriguing one complete off the radar pick but what this coaching staff is able to do with some non-talents is definitely something that you could be excited about i gotta defend myself a little ben i would not be singing the praise if we took uh, john michael schmidt to 25 i think that would have been a terrible reach but he went exactly where i wanted him to go second round pick got our center of the future somebody who is just a stud on the offensive line. And honestly, I agree with you about Jalen Hyatt. I think Hyatt was a steal of the draft, honestly. Taking him in the third round, somebody who was mocked to the Giants in the first, just a burner on the outside. He's been comped to Deshaun Jackson, and I know it's a lot of Eagle talk, but Deshaun Jackson caused nightmares for the Giants for years. And to get a player who's even comped to him with a similar skill set, that's that's pretty exciting to think about. Somebody who can just blow over the top of a defense. It's amazing. And just Joe Shane in his second draft has really built a, a solid uh, foundation for the team. The Giants made the playoffs last year. They might not make them again this year. But there's a lot of brightness looking to the future. And honestly, they may not have gotten closer to the Eagles, but they definitely closed a bit of that gap that was between them and the Cowboys. And that's exciting to see too.
Yeah, a couple of uh, honorable mentions here. Seattle had a really great draft taking, uh, I think we would all agree, the number one corner and number one wide receiver in Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, respectively. Uh, Pittsburgh as well. I mentioned Broderick Jones at the top of the show, but kicking off night two with Joey Porter Jr., getting him where his father played for so many years, winning a Super Bowl here in Pittsburgh. And then Darnell Washington was one of my favorite prospects, one of Ben's many Georgia boys really stealing them i think in the third round they had a couple other really good picks throughout day three as well but look all of our teams had really good drafts i think this year that makes all of us here at outsider sports happy what else would make us all happier at outsider sports is if you continue to follow along with us wherever you're listening to this show and our other shows uh covering the nhl and the mlb whether it's on spotify or youtube follow along with us on instagram at outsider sports network follow us on twitter at outsider sports 3 and thank you for listening to another episode of the outsider sports football podcast